Amen. Take your Bibles. Let's turn to that passage in John chapter 8 this morning together. John chapter 8, a very familiar passage as we look to this theme today, freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ. And this passage is probably the best and most known uh, passage about freedom related to Christ. Listen to what it says in verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him. Now that's kind of interesting. He's going to speak to those who say they had believed him. And then he's going to really turn, the, turn on them uh, the spotlight of truth to have them question that belief. And he's going to say, listen, your belief is going to need to be backed up by a behavior. And, um, and we're going to explore that. But he turns to those who believe and he said, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And say it with me. And the truth will set you free. And they answered, We're offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. <laughs> now that's an interesting thought. We know that's not true. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly. I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Let's pray together. Father, I ask that you would speak through your word. Lord Jesus, as you spoke to those disciples... 2,000 years ago, speak to us today. May we hear clear, clearly where freedom rings, where it's true, where it's real. We pray it for ourselves and for our nation and for this world that we would find freedom, true freedom in you. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you were to go to a website called freedomhouse.org, you would find the Freedom Report from 2017. And it is not good. In fact, there have been 11 straight years of a decline in overall freedom around the world. Now, you would think with the advances of technology and the advances of, of uh, things like the United Nations and all of these things, freedom would be growing around the world. You would think democracy would be helping and all of the different things that are going that way. In 2016, the report uh, uh, details that a total of 67 countries suffered net declines in political rights and civil liberties in 2016 compared with 36 that registered gains. This marked the 11th consecutive year of declines where the declines outnumbered the improvements. There were setbacks in political rights, civil liberties, or both. A number of countries rated free by the freedom uh, in, in um, rated free by the report including Brazil, the Czech Republic, Denmark, France, Hungary, Poland, Serbia, South Africa, South Korea, Spain, and Tunisia decreased in freedom and there was one other country I saved for last, the United States. In 2016, populist and nationalist political forces made astonishing gains in democratic states. While authoritarian powers, many of which we know of, engaged in brazen acts of aggression around the world, grave atrocities were unanswered in war zones. 
across two continents. All of these developments point to a growing danger that the international order of the past quarter century, rooted in the principles of democracy, human rights, and the rule of law, will give way to a world in which individual leaders and nations pursue their own narrow interests without meaningful constraints and without regard for the shared benefits of global peace, freedom, and prosperity. That may surprise some of you. It didn't surprise me. Many of you may not be surprised. The directions of some of the great uh, nations of the world that are known to be very restrictive, where freedoms are restricted, uh, are not improving, they're growing worse. The regime in China that plan plans to in introduce a social credit system that would connect each citizen's financial, social, political, and legal data to produce a single numerical rating of his or her behavior and trustworthiness. A misstep in one area would presumably have repercussions in every other aspect of an individual's life. How'd you like to have a, a numerical rating? And your faith would be connected to whether you could get a loan or whether you would get a job. And so we see these freedoms being restricted. And we know that that really birthed our nation, this resistance to that kind of control. And that was a great thing. And you had those, uh, those wonderful uh, uh, stories that we have from that period of time where Patrick uh, Henry, one of my heroes, said, give me liberty or give me death and uh, made those great pop, uh, proclamations. And then we see it on on the great documents uh, of the founding of our nation, this idea that liberty and freedom are integral. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And they called them unalienable rights. Why would they call them that? Because they believed that these were not given by government, they were given by who? God. They were unalienable. And where would they get such a thought? Well, if you look into Genesis chapter 2, uh, you can turn there. We're just going to look at a few verses, and I have them above. I, this is where they got this idea that rights are God-given, because right here in the very beginning of Scripture, we see uh, a very interesting Word. Notice how God set things up in the Garden of Eden for Adam and Eve. Then the Lord God took the man, put him into the garden. I'm, excuse me, it said, then the Lord God, uh, uh, or man, evolved into the Garden of Eden. Just happened to uh, be created by random chances in the Garden of Eden. No, one of the things that is critical to freedom is the understanding that humanity is not an accident we're by design we are created by the hand of God uh, there is a dignity to human life that comes through this idea of a creator of a God and the Lord God commanded the man and said from any tree of the garden you may eat what freely I think that's interesting. God dignified humanity. He, 
He specifically created human beings. He put them over the Garden of Eden and he gave them expansive freedoms. He said, it's yours. Be fruitful. Multiply. Take this garden. Make of it what you can with all of your intellect and all of your abilities. You just walk with me and here's your garden. But. Now see, that's the next word that we struggle with. And this is the next word where we really, we really uh, question what freedom is. So, so we're, we're really excited, and Adam and Eve were excited, they could eat of any tree in the garden freely. I think I'm going to have an apple today. I think I'm going to have whatever's growing on that tree today. I think I'm going to do what, I'm just going to have as much as I want. I'm just, I am free to do what I want to do. But... You see, even in the original creation, freedom was under God. Look at verse, this next verse. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. And so we have this, this restriction and you and I don't like restrictions. Here's what we think of freedom. We think freedom is the ability to do what we want, when we want it, and how we want to do it. That is the American way. That's freedom. No, that is not freedom. You are truly free when that freedom is under God. Under God. In fact, um, the framers understood this. If you go to the Jefferson Memorial, we know Jefferson was a, a deist and he had some Christian leanings, but even Jefferson said the God who gave us life gave us liberty when? At the same time, the hand of force may destroy it, but God but cannot disjoin them. In another place it says this on the Jefferson Memorial. Can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are a gift of who? God. So freedom is under God. And when you take God away, what goes with it? Freedom. When you take God away, you have no moral basis for freedom. I can... And you have no moral basis for your dignity and for your life. With God comes freedom. But here's what the framers also understood. They fought for freedom and they wanted to be free from English tyranny and they wanted to be free from taxation without representation. They wanted to be free to be landowners and uh, do what they could on that land and, and, and pioneer and make a way. And they wanted all of that, right? But they, they had enough sense to know that freedom is an unalienable right, but in actuality, total freedom is an unachievable goal. Now, why would I say that? So we, they fought and they gave us freedom, but then they went and they said, well, we're going to make sure we have a series of checks and balances on our freedom. We're going to have a president, but we're not going to let a president do whatever he wants, whenever he wants to do it, however he wants to do it. So we're going to put a legislative group over here called Congress, and they're going to kind of check these guys. So Congress is going to make the laws, 
and the president's going to execute the laws. But these guys might get, get together and decide, well, we're just going to reinterpret the laws, and it says this, but we're going to change it, we're going to do whatever. So we're going to put even another check and balance on these two, these two groups. We're going to put a judicial wing, and we're going to put court system over here, and they interpret the laws. By putting those checks and balances, you know what they were saying? We, even in our freedom as human beings, we need to be under something. We need some type of control. We are flawed. We are fractured by sin. Human beings must yield their freedom to something, somewhere, in some way. Jesus enters the picture. Jesus comes in in the scripture and he says, I'm going to tell you where you can find real freedom. If you will take your broken self and your tendency to want to do it your way whenever you want it and you just kind of interpret the laws to fit your life, I want you to take your broken self and you need to surrender it to me. If you want real freedom, you'll find it in complete surrender. Now that's kind of a paradox. I want to be totally free. And Jesus says, all right, I want you to be totally free. In fact... I want to set you free indeed. And if you're going to be free indeed, guess what you got to do? Surrender to me. Freedom through surrender. That's an interesting concept. Now, why would he say this? Well, let me give you the first point. He says in this passage, in verse 36, he says, um, well, let's look back. He says in verse 34, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a, is a what? Is a slave to sin. How many of you practice sin? How many of you have ever sinned? How many human beings struggle with sin? Everyone desperately needs true freedom. We need to be set free from the shackles and the bondage of sin, that which offends God, that which rebels against the very thing that is best for us, we turn it aside for our own kingdoms and our own ways and the very things that we want to do, we don't do, and the things that we do want to do, we have a, a hard time doing and we just, we, we just want to be set free. And Jesus says, listen, all of you need to be set free. Everybody needs the kind of freedom that only I can give. And, and then these guys... And, and gals that are following him who, who are kind of believing in what he's saying, but they're not quite there, there yet. They're not really true believers. They have not experienced true freedom. He turns to them and he says, okay, if you really want freedom, you're going to have to abide in me and follow my truth. And they said, listen, we're, we're already free. We've never really been in shackle. Now, we know that's not true. Do you see the blinding effects of sin sin blinded these folks they actually turned around and said you're going to set us free we don't need freedom the people of Israel had been under the bondage of seven at least seven nations up until that point they'd experienced bondage throughout their lives and and but they were blinded they were blinded to their captivity and folks listen that that is so easy it is so easy for us to be blinded to the captivation of sin. And there's a world that is blinded to their captivity. They don't see the shackles. They don't see that they are slaves to a master. And they 
feel free and they think I can believe what I want, do what I want, act the way I want. And when they're doing all of that, they are, they are marching to the, to the, uh, the orders of a, of a master over their lives called Satan and sin. And they don't even know it. Sin has this terrible blinding effect. Jesus says, I can take the blinders off, but you're going to have to surrender to me. Sin disables us. Verse 34, it says, truly, truly, everyone who practices sin. I like what Paul says in Romans 7. He, he, he's complaining about his disability, his sin disability. He says in Romans 7, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. Can anybody identify with that? For I know, the, I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing, and this is kind of a testimony I think for all of us that have conscious uh, a consciousness of our own sin and so it makes us want to come to Jesus and say please <laughs> set me free so that I have the desire to do what you want me to do and the ability to do what you want me to do set me free and Jesus says I can I, I, I'm putting you in that process and I am unshackling you. I defeated the jail guard and I've released you. But you've got the flesh and it is going to be some time. But the way that you're going to find this freedom is not for me to unshackle you from sin. And then you go, bye Jesus. Thank you. Oh, hi. That's not where we find freedom. Where do we find it? Well, I have to move quickly today. Look where we find it. Freedom is only experienced through surrender to Jesus. Through surrender to Jesus. Look at verse 31 with me closely. In the same passage that Jesus says, I want to set you free. In the same set of verses where he says, I want to set you free indeed really really free he says here's how here's what your freedom is going to look like here's what true freedom looks like it begins with the word if look at verse 31 so Jesus said to the Jews who believed him if you abide in my word you are truly my disciples and you will know the, the what? The truth. And the truth will set you free. Now, take your American sensibilities. So I know if you, and, and many of you here probably didn't grow up in America. And the reason I say American sensibilities, if we, we grow up with this idea that, that we have to be totally, absolutely free of all of, uh, all of anybody telling us what to do. Radical individualism. We're just going to do what we want to do. Now take that to this verse. And Jesus says, I'm setting you free. And you go to this verse. And here's what we... The first thing we notice is that radical freedom, true freedom, 
is restricted to a place. Wait a second. You're restricting me to a place? What place does he restrict us to? If you abide, dwell, stay where? In my word. So true freedom is found by surrendering and staying under his word. It's a paradox. It's a paradox. Notice the second thing. And this is very much in the news today. He says, not only is there a place you need to stay under my word, there are truths you can't change. There are truths you must believe. There are, there are theological truths, doctrinal truths. There are realities that I'm telling you, and you can't change them. You must believe them. How many of you like being told what you need to believe? Boy, we resist that, don't we? You're not going to tell me. I, I got to see it to believe it. Jesus says, no, if you want true freedom, you must abide with me and believe what I say. Jesus is making some bold claims, but remember what he's doing. He's offering you real freedom. Real freedom is found under God through surrender to him. Surrender to his presence, abide in him. Surrender to his truth, the truth of his word. And then he says, okay, now that you're there, you're, you uh, abide in me, you surrender to my word. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to follow me. You know, I don't, I don't want to follow you. Maybe you're not going to Disney World this week. <laughs> Anybody going to Disney World? I hope Jesus is going there with you, right? Uh, maybe he's not going on vacation. Maybe he actually wants to go to church this morning. I don't, I don't know if I want to follow you. And Jesus turns and he says, but I, I'm telling you, you gave up your freedom in the garden. And I have come to set you truly free. But you're going to have to stick with me. Yield your heart and mind to my truth. And go where I tell you to go. That is so not what we naturally think. It was raining a lot over the last, y'all notice that over the last month? It was raining a lot. And uh, so I, I have collected a few umbrellas in my car. I had to find another good one this morning. And so there were several occasions where I was prepared, right? And I had my umbrella. And so, I mean, it was just frog stranglers. I mean, just drenching rain. And, you know, I didn't want to get that wet so I would put up my umbrella and be like and then I'd look over and often it was with my family and if it was my wife right I would go over to my wife and help her out with the word she'd walk with me and there were a couple of fun times where my kids were there and they didn't have an umbrella and uh, I had the umbrella and so here's what I did I invited them to come in out of the rain but to come out of the rain they had to join me. 
All right, so Hannah, would you be willing to come? All right, so, and, and just kind of as an example of this, I asked my sweet daughter if she would do this, and, and she is willing to come. And, but for her, just kind of stand there, right there. For her, she's getting drenched. She's under the rain, right? For her to get out of the rain, she has to answer my call, and she's going to have to get close to me. And I love this, <laughs> right? I love this. That's why I only, only wanted one umbrella. <laughs> Can y'all see us under here? Yeah. I love this. I love it when she will let me hug her, right? And the rain gave me an excuse. But she had to answer the call. She had to choose. Am I going to be under the rain? Under his rain? Am I going to be on, under what the world is going to do to me and I'm just going to get drenched? And sometimes... You can go sit down, Hannah. Thank you so much. Let's give her a hand. Sometimes... So we're walking around, and, and we make a choice. I really don't like getting soaked out here, but if I go under that umbrella, I'm going to have to stay close to the Father, and I'm going to have to walk with Him where He takes me. If I want to stay out from under the rain, I'm going to have to go where He goes. I'm going to have to stay close by His side, and I'm going to have to listen to what He tells me to do. And it's fun. It's fun to watch the kids make the decision not to do that. Because sometimes they're like, no, I'd just rather get wet. I'm just going to run. I'm just going gonna to wing it. I'm just going to take off. And they get, they get wet. They pay the price. It's only rain, and they don't melt. That's okay when it's only rain, right? Jesus is looking at, he says, listen, you believe me. He looks at these disciples, you believe me. But just an intellectual belief, and they know, they know, they know my offer is good. You, I believe you, but Jesus is saying, you want me to follow you around and make sure you don't get wet doing what you want to do. You want me to be your portable umbrella. You want me to bless your plan for your life. And Jesus is looking at me and says, I love you. And I'm telling you, your plan leads to destruction. You're going to get all wet. And in the end, without me, you melt. Sin blinds you. It binds you. And it condemns you. And he looks at him, he says, I, I'm just telling you, I'm telling you, if you will come and abide with me, if you will come abide with me, come on, I'm going to tell you the truth, and the truth that I'm going to tell you will set you free. But you're only going to be set free when you abide with me. It's amazing, isn't it? 
It's amazing how many people turn that down. Well, here's why they turn it down. They've got other umbrellas they think are going to work. The Israelites here pulled up one of their the big umbrellas, and some of you might have that umbrella up this morning. So I want to destroy it because it will kill you. They raised up the umbrella of, well, I'm, I'm Jewish. I'm of Abraham. And that's going to protect me. I'm an Israelite. We're God's chosen people. They brought up the traditions, their religiosity umbrella. And they're holding up and saying, listen, maybe you're holding that up on July 4th. You're saying, well, I'm an American. And all Americans are Christians. We're God's chosen people. I'm an American. And you're holding up an umbrella that won't protect you. And in fact, Jesus looked at that umbrella and he said, you're, you are blinded and you feel free, but you're not. You're actually under, are under the umbrella of your father. And it's scary what he said. He said in verse 44, you are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desire. Did you catch that? You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. And so what we have is we have false umbrellas. It's interesting that that umbrella says uh, insurance on it. No insurance. With where you're born or the fact that you had Christian parents or grandparents, that's no insurance. And some of you, a little free advertising for Publix. Maybe you've got lots of provisions. And this is what's killing a lot of Americans. A lot of, a lot of Americans are hiding under the, sa the, uh, the, the safety of their money, their wealth, their jobs, their provisions, they think, yeah, I got it, I got it, I got it. Man, those umbrellas are not from God. They are from the other one. And I just picture sweet Hannah having, my, having to face the choice. Can you imagine how I would feel? Here I am, it's pouring down rain, lightning, thunderstorm, and I've I've got my umbrella up and I'm just begging my daughter, come, I'll, I'll lead you through the storm. The safety's with your father, I love you. She goes over to somebody else and rejects the way, the truth, and the life. And you have that choice. You have that choice. You're free this morning to surrender. To surrender with whatever umbrella you've thought up or that the world offers or to surrender to Jesus. That's your choice.
Some of you will choose liberty that brings death. You'll be free for this life that brings death. And some of you will choose dying to self, death in Christ, and find liberty for eternity. Let's pray together. With your heads bowed. I just want you to picture in your mind where you are. Where are you? Are you under the right umbrella? Are you abiding in Christ and His Word? Or are you still under yourself and under what you can achieve? Or under whatever kind of a God or, or a belief system or something that you have propped up or that some false teacher or some false religion has propped up and you're hoping in that and you've got it up there and you think it's going to keep you. But it ultimately deceives you, blinds you, and destroys you. Where are you? Some of you this morning heard from Jesus and Jesus has invited you to join him. But you must surrender. Too often, too many pulpits, and maybe I've even made this mistake. Too often we'll just say, hey, if you just pray a prayer, you're good. You just say this little prayer, and you're good. And, and Jesus is not teaching that in this passage. To just say a prayer, and you're good. He's saying, surrender. You're going to have to stay with me to find freedom. Surrender. Would you surrender your heart and life to Christ this morning if you never have? I'm telling you like I love my own daughter and would hold on to her at any cost to keep her from harm. When you enter into the arms of Jesus, he never lets you go. He's, he's, he's an eternal loving father that has the power to hold you out of hell and to walk you through this life. Don't refuse Jesus this morning if you need him. Turn to him and surrender. And in your surrender to him, ask him to forgive you of your sin and to come into your heart and to make you one of his children but you must turn from sin and self and turn to him and surrender would you do that this morning true independence is found through total dependence on Jesus would you do that right now we're going to sing in just a moment and if you just prayed and trusted Christ here's what I want you to do if you just asked him to come into your heart and you just surrendered to him I want you to take a step of surrender. It's a bold step. But I want you to surrender. And I want you to walk down one of these aisles. Just come down here to the front. Just to the end of the aisle. And one of our counselors wants to pray with you. Wants to hear 
and wants to help you in that decision. So I want you to do that when we start singing. If you just, if you just prayed that prayer of surrender to Christ, would you come as soon as we start singing? Don't wait. And let our counselors just take you and pray with you and help you get started in that. And some of you, some of you have been running around. You're, you're one of God's kids. And you've been running around in the rain in rebellion. And you're soaking wet with sin. And he's still there. And he wants you to come back to him. He loves you. For some of you, this time of response is surrendering again, is, is yielding and, and confessing that you just resisted his way and his truth. You thought it would work out for you, but it hasn't. And it won't. Would you return to Jesus this morning? Father, that's my prayer, that each of us would just keep this image in our heart and mind of coming up under the arm of you, Jesus, every day and staying there. Rain, snow, sleet, or beautiful summer days, we don't move, we stay with you wherever you go. We believe you said, help us to do that. And enjoy that fellowship with you and the, the glory of knowing that you love us and care for us. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to set us free, free indeed. And we pray this in your name.